Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast. It's the end of year special part two of two with me, Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster. And I am joined, as often, <laughs> by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, I've been demoted from last year. Beautiful, my beautiful, beautiful, sumptuous co-host yes i uh good and it does make sense to say that i've been demoted from last year because here we are in 2023 isn't that exciting it's a whole new year and there are some changes coming to the arrow video podcast in 2023 which we will get to at the end of the show but before we do that i'm a writer i'm a director and i'm here for part two of the end of year special uh, we're going to be running down our top five of 2022 and yeah, Dan, do you need to explain your system once more? Or should we just ask people to listen to the previous episode? Who's who's coming in halfway through? That's true. It, look, here's the thing. If you are here, if you're the kind of person who's only going to listen to the second part of a reverse order best of list <laughs> two part podcast, yes. then you deserve to be confused by my incredibly <laughs> complicated system. Oh, you're so right. All right, well, in that case, let's launch straight into it. I went first last time. How about you go first this time? Dan, what's your number five of uh, 2022? My number five of 2022 is a, uh, I'm going to say, Danish film. Mm. <laughs> I think it's Danish. Um it's another social anxiety horror. Um, it deals with discomfort. It deals with where do you draw the line? Yes, I know what you're going to say. As you feel like they should, as when they start to break the social contract, mm-hmm. how far do you let them get before you speak up? And it's a brutal, harrowing event. It's called Speak No Evil. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And... Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a real treat. I mean, def- um, I define don't really know much treat. To say. I don't want an s- apple with razor blades in it. <laughs> a, uh, a Danish family. You realise this through a series of flashbacks. Met a Dutch family while they were on holiday, and they uh, they became friends. They did that usual. Oh, you have to come and see us. Oh my God, it's been so nice catching you know meeting you. Blah blah blah. And so this movie covers the visit. So the Danish family have have driven down to the Netherlands, out in the middle of nowhere. They're 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 welcomed and treated very nicely by their hosts, who exhibit some slightly peculiar um, like choices in yeah. the way they live and and particularly how they raise their child, but. Uh, but you know, don't be don't be rude. You're visiting them. It's their house. They can they can behave like like they want. But it is a it is a bit weird, isn't it? It's gonna get fucking weirder. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I really, really, really loved it. I've got I've got an opinion of this one. I've got a, a, a you know a theory around this one. I would without going into spoilers, obviously. But yeah, I feel like Speak No Evil is a film about victim blaming which immerses the audience in the act of victim blaming because i saw so many reactions to this film where people were like oh i would never do that i would have left and like no one is screaming and shouting at the actual villains of the piece everyone's screaming and shouting on you know the people that we kind of identify with and there's certain elements of the very end that i won't go into that that make me think that potentially that's definitely something that the film was talking about apparently it means more to you if you do live in denmark there's um some cultural stuff in there that actually hits home harder if you if you live in denmark and it, it, apparently it's a funnier movie as well if you know the kind of cultural sensibilities but yeah 
loved this film. Not I on my it, list, I, but I loved think it, it has quite a dry humour. Yeah, that is apparent throughout. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. I was talking to a talking to a distributor friend uh, a little while ago, and they had they had put this up for for acquisition with the company that they work at, and uh, their boss had just gone, "Yeah, fuck off." <laughs> oh wow! No, we're not. No, no, that's too much. We're not doing that one. <laughs> well, that that I think that's a mistake because I think it was a pretty big hit for Shudder. I saw a lot of people talking about that film, and it became like one of those kind of challenge movies. Like, oh, have you have you made it to the end of Speak No Evil? So, um, yeah, I think oh, I like I like that. That's that's good to hear because like the thing is, it it does it does go pretty far. Yeah, with how uncomfortable it is. But I think that it's it's interesting. Like what you're talking about with like people being like, oh, you fucking idiots, you should just leave. It's not. About it's it's not like shouting at someone in a slasher for going down yeah. into a basement on their own, yeah, or for like going out into the woods to investigate a noise after you've yes. just had the fucking conversation about how you're only safe if you stay together. It's not that. No, it's about these people are being terrorized by people who are not following the social contract that we all abide. Mm. And, but they are so beholden to that contract that they are not willing to break it themselves. And I think that what's really interesting about it, like uh, like All My Friends Hate Me, which I mentioned last episode, mm. there's this sort of anxiety about what's expected of you, about like how you are affected by what other people think of you and how like when people put too much value in the opinion of others that creates this really bubbling and and sort of like angry boiling anxiety in this Mm -hmm. movie which is what makes it such a good horror film absolutely Um, yeah yeah so so i think it's it's entirely believable that they're not just like flipping a table up and being like you know what you're fucking weird we're going (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> excellent all right well yeah uh, that's a kind of secondary recommendation for me even though it's not on my list i did think it was fantastic instead at number five i have a different horror movie i have pearl now i wasn't expecting much from pearl i wasn't a massive fan of x ty west's tribute to texas chainsaw massacre and 70s porn uh but i gave pearl a go anyway and i'm so glad i did it's absolutely incredible matt from movie melt uh, had seen it and he really raved about it to me so i thought oh well you know i did hate x but i'll give it a try and yeah it's the kind of prequel that makes the movie it's spun off from even better i'm i might like it more because the period it's playing around with is more interesting um silent era musical tributes are rarer than 70s slasher homages but I probably loved it because it's more of a showcase for Mia Goth, who defines herself here as one of this generation's greatest. There's been a lot of talk about the dinner table monologue in this movie, and rightly so, but every single second of this performance is a masterclass. Mia Goth embodies Pearl, she brings her to life, she vanishes into the character, and with every frown, every hand gesture, every tear she is mesmerizingly real we stuck it on late at night here and uh, there's a running joke between me and shay it's not even a running joke it's just a fact of life whenever we put on a movie at night no matter what the runtime of the movie shay will fall asleep in the last 20 minutes every time you can set your clock to it there's something about that final (laughs) act section that shay is just out like a light for But she stayed awake for the whole of Pearl, which is a further tribute to its power. She overcome the 20-minute rule um, to to see it out to the end. 
And yeah, I feel like I'll be revisiting Pearl more and more over the years. It really does feel like a true modern classic with just an astonishing, astonishing performance at the heart of it. And the ending is absolutely perfect, just wonderful. I wanted to applaud the credits, which is a, a, a rarity. Um, yeah, Pearl, number five for me. Dan, how did you feel about Pearl? Have you seen it yet? I haven't. I had a similar response to X uh, to you, and I didn't have anyone tell me I should watch Pearl, so maybe I'll give it a go. I think you'll love it. I really genuinely think you'll love it. It's just a, a completely different proposition. It really is. So what you're telling me is that this is like uh, Ty West's Ouija Origins of Evil. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Or um, what's okay. what's the what's I mean, the one? Annabelle 2. It's It's... Ouija Origins of Evil or Annabelle 2 so yeah um, definitely that actually is faint praise sorry Ty West if you're listening to this Um, let's move on Dan what's at number four for you Uh, number four is the second film on the list that I peripherally worked on but not in enough of a capacity for me to feel that it is excluded from the list I did see it at a cast and crew screening and it was aggressively loud uh, which I would say is definitely the way to watch this. I was sat right at the front, um, and I had an absolutely fantastic time. Uh, it's Peter Strickland's Flux Gourmet. Yeah, I made some prosthetics that they didn't have time to shoot in their busy schedule, and I made some props that don't make it to the screen. So I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think I need to be excluded. It's, it does one of my favourite things that slightly weird films can do, which is that it doesn't really bother to explain its premise and it doesn't acknowledge it as being anything other than completely normal. In this instance, uh, all of society is obsessed with the idea of music. That is made by uh, cooking on stage, um, and the movie is set in an institu- uh, an institute um, that trains people in this process, uh, and it deals with the sort of artistic rivalries that one might expect at any artistic institute: the uh, the small mindedness, the the pettiness, the competitiveness. It um, it features one of my least favourite things to have in film, uh, which is lots of footage of people eating uh which i find grotesque but as long as it's being used appropriately it's obviously very valuable because i hate it (laughs) um uh it's beautiful to look at uh incredible costume work um yeah it's it's a very weird uh in your face movie there's not really much else to say about it uh plot wise it's quite simple uh, in its narrative but it's um it's very satisfying let's move on to my number four of the year moon age daydream which is uh one of the best documentaries always like to include a documentary on these end of year top 10 lists and yeah moon age daydream gives you a sense that not just was david bowie indeed an alien sent to observe our planet but actually he was the one who kept it beautiful It's a cliche to say that a gateway to chaotic hell opened after he passed away. But Moon Age Daydream is documentary evidence that the hell theory is observably accurate. It's a magical montage of his life, philosophy and career made up mostly of clips and concert performances with some occasional interruptions from pop culture archival clips that capture the mood or the spirit of what the film's saying at any particular time. Um, Bowie says in this film that he collects personalities and this is a multiple personality film. It's shape-shifting 
but keeping its core along the way. It's fantastic. I love it. It has profound things to say about life, love and art. Moon Age Daydream. I recommend it. And keep watching through the credits so you can see David's last goodbye. It's beautiful and goodbyes are so, so important. We haven't had a single crossover yet. We will have one by the end. Oh, exciting, exciting. All right, well, um, what is your number three? My number three is one of the most mainstream pictures on my list. Oh. It's a sequel. Well, sort of a prequel. It's a prequel. <laughs> Excellent. It's Prey. Oh, wow, that really surprises me. Holy shit. All right, that's... Which wow. I adored. Wow. I absolutely loved it. I... I watched it pretty quickly after the release, but uh, not so quickly that I hadn't sort of got a general whiff of the of the response. And it was seemed to be quite divisive. There were a handful of people saying, "Oh, it's better than the original." To which I responded, "Oh, fuck off!" <laughs> but there were also people rubbishing it and complaining about it. And while I don't think it's a perfect film, it's probably one of the films I had the most fun with last year. I really enjoyed the tension. I really enjoyed some of the revelations in it. It had a little bit of that. How did it get there? Shoehorning stuff that I find slightly annoying with prequels, but not too much. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But um, but yeah, it was. There were a couple of things that that rankled, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Like, I really enjoyed it. So we really good practical effects. Yeah, yeah, good good action, good tension. Didn't undermine the original in any notable ways. Didn't like the design of the the creature as much. Didn't feel like it added much to it, but also didn't dislike it. And it it dealt with like quite gently dealt with a lot of uh, problems I have with the design of the original as iconic as it is um I think it's a really solid picture wow 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 like that I'm just I can't believe it's so high on your list what did we haven't really gone into this but what did it score highly on, on on the algorithm I would like it scored pretty well across the across the board i mean it got a good score it got a decent score in fun Mm -hmm. because it got a very high score in regular fun and not an amazing score in ennui but like a little bit because it deals with genocides Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) like gotta be gotta be sad about genocide sam yeah oh yeah increasingly these days which itself is very upsetting obviously very very highly on effects i think persistence of vision it got pretty good middling on funny like not great for funny but that wasn't the point technical ability pretty high punches and explosions very high shock twists like not amazing but it didn't need that it's a prequel but it wasn't completely without it either there was there was a moment that i don't want to spoil if people haven't seen it where it took a thing where i was like oh for fuck's sake they've missed an opportunity here and then it did the thing it (laughs) did the thing i was cross with it for not having done which never happens yeah that's yeah that's great yeah yeah there was the the orphan first kill which is very much not on the list I had a surprising amount of fun with. Mm-hmm. And when Jen and I watch films together, often we'll be like, oh, pause it. I'm going to pitch you a movie. And it'll have like inspired a thing. Right. And and we'll be like, oh, ima- imagine if it did this. Like, imagine if the story was this. And we'll pitch each other that little story. And there's a, a reveal at the end, like at the midpoint of Orphan First Kill, mm-hmm. that was exactly the thing I wanted it to do, but I definitely didn't think it was going to do. Oh, cool. So for whatever other issues I have with that film, and actually, like I said, I enjoyed it a lot more mm-hmm. than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with, with it doing that one thing. I thought that was really cool. Oh, nice. Excellent. 
All right. Have you, have you seen it? I haven't. No, no, no. Um, uh, you should watch it. I think you'd enjoy it. All right. Yeah. It's not going to it's not going to make a top ten list, but it's it's really fun. I'll, I'll give it a go for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, number three for me now tar which is another woman focused character study tar is like a there will be blood for the modern age following a charismatic and compelling central character whose layers are slowly peeled away to reveal a monster like there will be blood tar has a perfect perfect final shot my favorite final shot of the year it was just (laughs) Oh man, really, really thrilling that it ended where it ended, and pretty much everything leading up to it is almost as great. It wouldn't work without Kate Blanchett. She is truly transcendent as a concert conductor whose past is starting to catch up with her, while standards of cultural morality shift beneath her feet. Feeling like a biopic at times, a ghost story at others, this will be nominated for lots of Oscars and will probably win them as long as no one tells the Academy that this is actually a horror film, because that's exactly what it feels like, like a larger canvas personal shopper, uh, and there's dread in every scene. Tar, it is a modern classic, and I recommend it at number three. Dan, what's number two from you? Number two from me is a po-faced black comedy that is dripping with ennui it breaks so many rules about how you make a film and is so much better for every decision like that that is made it's dual oh i i loved it so much it's one of those ones where it it really stuck with me i really really enjoyed it it's riley stearns new picture i think a couple of years ago now uh, art of self-defense made it onto my best of the year as well i think karen gillen gives probably the best performance i've ever seen her give in it aaron paul is in it and very very good uh, not in it nearly as much as definitely karen gillen's uh, project it takes place in a world where if you are terminally ill you can you can have yourself cloned you will live with your clone so that they learn all about you they learn to be you and then they will be there to comfort your family your loved ones after you die but there's a there's a mistake made in karen gillen's character for for reasons I won't go into ends up having to fight her clone to the death and it's fucking brilliant um it is not as you might think from that description an action film it uh, has a tendency and Stearns did a bit of this in Art of Self-Defense but he really does it a lot in this where he just doesn't show you anything mm-hmm. it's almost all dialogue like you'll talk they'll, they'll talk up to a big event and in any other movie it would be a big scene like a big showpiece that's coming up but in this it will just cut to after the event and have the characters like deconstructing how it went down talking about it talking about how it made them feel talking about like their disappointments with it it's absolutely fantastic it's really dry yeah i loved it excellent excellent uh, again uh, i'm shocked that it's so high in, in your list but yeah I, I haven't actually seen it, so what do I know? But yeah. Um, I think you'd, you'd love it, Sam. Cool. All right. Well, it's going to be another one that goes on the list to watch ahead of my final top 10 of the year, which is going to be completely different to this one over on VHS Quest. But um, number two from me is Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the first Top Gun. It's not a nostalgic film for me at all. But Top Gun Maverick is different. It's a blockbuster masterpiece a rush of blood to the body that mixes very clear storytelling with eye-popping stunts a perfect score and pantomime performances that jump off the screen and i mean that as a compliment by the way every actor plays to the crowd perfectly 
beat by beat it hits a very narrow target it's a celebration of the military it's jingoistic and it doesn't just celebrate tom cruise it's propaganda uh for the cult of tom cruise but it didn't feel dirty to watch it's kind of incredible and cruise is on the side of cinemas he made sure this wasn't released until audiences could see it together and he was rewarded with the most insane box office story of the year and yeah it felt really good to be part of that story even as an audience member but really the reason it's so high on my list is the feelings it gave me it just made me so happy from start to finish it's just pure cinematic spectacle you felt in the hands of someone who knows exactly what they're doing in terms of this the kind of film it is Uh, yeah it's just beautifully delivered it's so good i saw it twice once with shay and once with my stepson dylan it's the first film we went to see on our own together and so this one will become uh, a nostalgic film for me on that level alone so it'll be one that i will remember forever i know it's a cheesy choice but i don't care I live for the Danger Zone, baby. (laughs) Top Gun Maverick. It's uh, my number two choice of the year. Dan, how did you feel about Top Gun Maverick? (laughs) There's a small chance that that I will pick it up on Blu-ray secondhand so as to avoid (laughs) funneling money into the American military-industrial complex. Uh, Yeah. But like, like you, I don't really have any love for the original. Yeah. Uh, but it that that extended to the to the point of just having no interest at all. The thing is, if you if it didn't feel dirty watching it, it just means it's very good propaganda. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I acknowledge it. I want to feel, I just I wanna said. feel dirty after reveling in the filth. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to feel good about my bad choices. What's your number one film of the year, Dan? Let's let's go out on a nice note. Do you remember I said that there was going to be a duplicate? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Can I guess what it is? You can guess. Is it Nightmare Alley? It is Nightmare Alley. Yes, fantastic. Wow. I actually Such a great film. I, I think you did say on the podcast, I think we talked about it way back, maybe even in January last year, about Nightmare Alley. It was Alley. January, yeah. Yeah. One and of the first films I watched this year. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And I think you did say at the time that you're pretty sure it's going to be at the top of your list. And you've stuck to that. And your algorithm has um, not betrayed you. My algorithm knew. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, anyway. I, I, I must say, I was I was slightly surprised. Right. I was right at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't regret it. Like, it's it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I know you've already talked about it, so we don't need to go into it too much. Oh, no, we do. We need to, to hear that. your thoughts on it. Forget my thoughts. What is it that made you I mean, love very... it so much? They're, they're very much aligned with yours. I think it's right. Del Toro's best picture. I I think it's absolutely sumptuous to look at. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of design choices that weren't for me, but they don't dent the high, high quality of the rest of the picture. Mm-hmm. The arc is fantastic. The mm-hmm. That ending. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I said it on the last episode. It's all about the ending. All of these films. Mm-hmm. Stick the landing and and you've made a great film. You know, people leave talking about the ending of a film. Yeah. As you know, you'll forgive you one. One will forgive so much if the ending is amazing, and it is so good. It's so good in this film. the 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 concept of the ending, the direction of the ending, mm. the acting mm. in the ending that that last shot, that yeah. moment, Ugh. 
that we're both that we're both revisiting yeah is so good god i think yeah. i'm gonna put it I on it. again absolutely love it i'm gonna put it on yeah. again after this conversation because yeah you're so right yeah that is a, a really I want, really i want the black and white 4k i want the black and white version to get released on blu-ray me too yeah i will buy it twice i'll buy it three times if that's what it takes to get it out there because yeah it was so clearly shot for black and white yeah beautiful yeah. movie beautiful movie great great number one choice dan uh i love it so you mentioned that i had uh said way back at the beginning that i thought that this might be high on my list if not mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. top of my list right at the beginning of the year yeah and that bore true you said that about a film that has not yet been on your list so i think i know what your number one is please uh, please it's your turn to guess is it elvis it is Elvis, Dan. <laughs> have you watched Elvis yet? You, you haven't, sicken have you? me. <laughs> I haven't fucking watched Elvis. Well, to quote my hero, to quote my hero, Mary Whitehouse, I don't need to watch filth to know filth. <laughs> well, Dan, you'd be surprised because there's been a couple of people who I've raved about this movie to have looked at me like I'm a complete idiot and who have then gone on to watch it and have then given it five stars on Letterboxd. I'll have you know yeah Elvis it's a lot of movie but then Elvis was a lot of man in terms of cultural impact lasting legacy and physical presence he's an ultimate pop culture icon trashy and transcendent cool and tacky beautiful and ugly everything to everyone and Baz Luhrmann's masterpiece of a movie is like an injection of Elvis sweet and sickening focused and overwhelming it's an adrenaline rush of a film, as giddy a viewing experience as Goodfellas. Constantly moving, shaking, screaming, bellowing, crooning, laughing, crying. It's by far the best theatre experience I had this year. I was on the literal edge of my seat the whole movie, eyes wide, as close to the screen as I could get. I would have thrown my underwear at the stage if I didn't think that poor cinema usher would then have to sweep it up along with the popcorn. And I've swept up my own fair share of popcorn over the years. I've worked in cinemas. Even this year, I've volunteered my time at the Hollywood Theatre for free. Why? Because I love movies. And Elvis is a movie. All caps, no apologies. <laughs> a movie. <laughs> I, I should shout that, really. Um, it's number one because it's a movie. No, it's a movie. Um, I, I, all think, caps. I, I think that's what they said on the poster. <laughs> Elvis is a movie. <laughs> Full this, stop. Is, this is a movie. Yeah, yeah. All caps, no apologies. My favourite film of 2022. Austin Butler didn't just play Elvis. He was Elvis. This isn't a performance. It's a possession. I can't believe how close he was to the Suspicious Minds Vegas performance, for example, which is a video I'd watched thousands of times going into this film. And Butler gets it thrust perfect. Truly uncanny. Pure charisma. And the comeback special, Jesus Christ, it is transcendent. I will play us out with If I Can Dream from the soundtrack, which is a nice way to take us into 2023. Um, but before <laughs> do I do not that... have the rights to play. Before I do that... No, you're, we're allowed <laughs> to play it in context because it's a celebration and recommendation of the film. Um, it's like playing the trailer. It's a clip that's available online that is used for marketing purposes. Okay. And this is right. uh, this is marketing, so it's it's all good. How do you feel? Are you ever going to see this movie? I really doubt it. I'm not a big fan of Lerman. I'm not particularly a big fan of Elvis. I, yeah, there's nothing there for me. Well, 
that that is a downbeat way to end um end of year celebration that's for sure but dan you have something to tell the arrowheads so i'm gonna hand the mic over to you dan what is 2023 gonna hold for the arrowheads do you think well, it's, I mean, it's hard to tell. Things, you know, the, the world's in a state of flux. Civilizations are on the brink of collapse. Institutions are crumbling. Um, it's very hard to tell what the what the New Year's gonna gonna bring. Even a, a mere four weeks out, we know that things are probably gonna change a little bit. We we hope to be continuing to bring you the Arrow podcast into the future, whatever the future is. But obviously, I had to take a little bit of an absence last year, so we're sort of trying to to refigure things to make sure that we can we can provide you know things that we're proud of, episodes that we're proud of for the listeners that we love. Yeah. Um, so we won't we're not going anywhere, not yet. But um, but things might change up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're kind of looking at schedules and looking at the the best way that i mean that is the perfect way to put it down we really want to deliver the best possible episodes yeah all right well that's pretty much it dan what's your social media how can people follow you online they can come and bask in the glory of my free blue tick on twitter (laughs) (laughs) i'm at 13 finger fx on twitter and instagram and i'm toying with a few other versions of social media but i've had neither the time nor the inclination to put very much effort into mastodon or whatever the other one is hive i can't remember excellent well yep wherever you pop up dan we will follow you so just um keep us updated on on what your preferred social media is uh as for me i'm just going to ask you to subscribe to my patreon which is available at patreon forward slash vhs quest the link will be in the bio of this episode and yeah by this point there should be my other top 10 of the year based on recommendations from dan and other films that i haven't quite caught up with yet also rands will go in there too so if you want a whole new bunch of recommendations along with my worst films of 2022 then uh, please head on over to vhs quest where you can subscribe for just four dollars a month one dollar a week and uh, that gets you weekly episodes uh, full of weird VHS recommendations. So, yeah. All right. Well, that is it for now. But we will be back. Who knows when, but soon, hopefully. And until then, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be thank more you. professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I just do not think we should be making speeches about politics and religion. Dr. King was shot eight miles from Graceland while I was out here singing to turtles. And all this, and all you can think about is how many sweaters I can sell. I am a promoter. That is what I do. And I'm Elvis Presley. That's what I do. Well, Mr. Bindle has really gotten inside your head with all of his hippie friends. You actually think that you singing your old songs dressed in black leather, sweating? Mumbling incoherently to the audience was a good show? Colonel, I know when I've excited an audience. That was not a real audience, my boy. There was a sign flashing applaud, telling them when to clap for you. Now, this entire jamboree is an embarrassment. You have embarrassed the sponsors, you have embarrassed yourself, you have embarrassed me. Now, you can sing whatever songs you and Mr. Bindle choose for 55 minutes, but at the end of the show, there will be a Christmas song or else we will be sued. No.
You will be sued for breach of contract because I will no longer be the promoter of your career. I will have to leave you. We'll see you in the morning, Mr. President. Oh, and as I recall, Dr. King said rock and roll music contributed to juvenile delinquency. Pretty set for the number tomorrow, right? It's pretty familiar territory, right? Reverend once told me when things are too dangerous to say, sing. Let's go, people, first position. Oh, I got action on the outside. 